guys are barrels of fun. This is section 422. Welcome to the section 422 podcast episode number 63. It is Monday, June 22nd. Derek Van Riper here with Will Salmon. On this episode, we'll be joined by Kyle Lesneski. Managing editor at Brew Crew Ball and a member of the front office for the Milwaukee Milkmen. We will talk about the upcoming American Association season that will debut on July 3rd. Uh, and Will, before we visit with Kyle, we have some movement finally in the long, difficult negotiations between MLB's owners and the Major League Baseball Players Association. Uh, just in the course of the last few hours, the Players Association rejected the league's most recent proposal. That happened kind of like late Monday afternoon here in the Midwest. And just a few hours later, the Major League Baseball owners voted unanimously to go ahead and move forward with the season and implement a schedule based on the March agreement. So what does it all mean? Well, we still have a couple of hurdles. I'm optimistic. I'm as optimistic about this baseball season as I have been at any point in about the last two months. And that feels pretty good. It does, and I'm right there with you. I feel as good as I've felt really since this all started, unfortunately. Um, I feel like it, it has to come to this, though, too. It's like it's now or never, pretty much. I mean, it's already it's already one week left in June. By the time guys hopefully get together, try to do some sort of preseason training camp or training, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure what I've settled on so far yet as to what we're going to call this, but that's going to have to start in the first week of July um, and then stretch until the end of July. And then just in order to get at least, say, the 60 games that's been floated out there in, you're going to have to start right about now, um, within the next week or so. So definitely some movement, of course, but I am a little bit just in the, in the back of my mind. I'm like, I got to see it to believe it still just because we've been we've been in this situation before. Not quite to this extent, but we've been there where we felt good about it for a little while, had it marinated in our minds of what, what could happen, what will happen, that sort of thing, all for it to go go away in like a few hours. <laughs> this one seems that it's it's going to last a little bit, and they, they have to sign off on the, the health and safety protocols, and they have to say that, hey, we, we will be there um, by by July 1st. So hope, hopefully we get there. Hopefully they sign off on it. Um, but... Until they do, until they do, I'm going to uh, remain just cautiously optimistic on it. Yeah, those are the two hurdles I was referring to. Uh, the Players Association has until 5 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday to confirm that they can report to camp within seven days, which is by July 1st. And then that second issue, of course, is the health and safety protocols, which have been previously outlined. And, you know, it's just... That, to me, is the greater concern. Even if the players are on board with the health and safety protocols in place, the early indications I'm seeing throughout baseball Twitter are that they will be. I'm not going to take that for granted. Um, it's still a question as to how things are going to trend with the pandemic. We've seen uh, increased cases in a lot of places, Arizona, 
Texas, Florida, among them, several other states as well. But uh, you know, we just we don't set the timeline. We as people, we as planners, we as people who cover sports and and for people who run sports, we don't get full say over whether or not this is going to work. But this is as much progress as these two sides have made, which isn't really that much progress. I mean, if you think about it, it's really a very united MLBPA just standing up and saying, no, we're, we're not conceding on these these issues and the league having to move forward with this previous March agreement. So uh, long term in terms of the collective bargaining agreement that runs out after the 2021 season, you know, we're still headed for some pretty ugly negotiations once we reach that point. But there is a, a lot of things that are going to happen between now and then. And at least we're finally taking a step towards seeing the first couple uh, steps happen. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm just excited to finally, hopefully be able to actually talk some baseball again for a change instead of all those, uh, the, the labor talk and all the buzzwords that I will refuse to repeat because uh, we've heard them so much over the past handful of weeks or at this point stretching into a couple of months almost. It's been a lot, man. It's been a lot to, to digest day after day. And so I'm just super excited to hopefully be, like I said, talking some baseball and sort of analyzing what the 60 games could mean, if it is 60, what they could mean for the Brewers um, in terms of uh, their hopes for uh, being a team that reaches the playoffs again um, and what, what it could mean just in their roster construction and the way that they're already constructed. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot we're going to break down in the episodes ahead as we get more details about what this season will look like as we get that official confirmation. Um, So a a lot to still be hashed out. But like you, I'm very excited to be talking about uh, the possibility of actual baseball games again. It's a nice change from where we've been for the better part of almost four months now. Looking for a cool gift idea or just missing baseball? Check out Dugout Mugs, a company started in a college baseball dugout, hence the name, Dugout Mugs. Dugout Mugs turn the barrel of a baseball bat into a 12-ounce mug. The mugs are licensed by Major League Baseball, so you can get your favorite team logo laser engraved onto a Birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. It's perfect for the big game to put on display or to be the life of the party. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use the promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. And now we're very pleased to be joined by Kyle Lesneski. You, of course, know him as the managing editor at Brew Crew Ball. He's also a member of the front office for the Milwaukee Milkmen. Kyle, how's it going today? It's going pretty well. We're, uh, Gearing up for our season to begin here for the Milkmen in the next couple of weeks. we got training camp that starts later this week, and then our opening day is on July 3rd, so we're uh, trying to get everything ready to go. July 3rd is the opener, as you mentioned, for the Milkmen. Kyle, what is your role with the organization, and what has the roster building process been like? Um, so this is actually year two for us. Uh, we were an expansion team last year. Um, after the season last year, um, we kind of had a little bit of a regime change, uh, brought in a new manager, Anthony Barone. And then, um, shortly after that, I was brought on, uh, as my official title is statistical data analyst. Um, so I worked with, uh, our manager, Anthony Barone to kind of evaluate and 
put together the roster that will be taking the field every night. Um, much of my work involves player analysis using a lot of the advanced statistics like wins above replacement, weighted runs created plus, field independent pitching, etc. Um, to evaluate all the players on our roster as well as the pool of players that are available to us. Um, advanced stats like that aren't publicly available for a league like ours. Um, so a lot of what I've done is build sort of a database of different statistics that we use to look at not only the players in our league, but also other indie circuits like the Frontier League, the Atlantic League, the Pacific Association, etc. Um, and then additionally, I help promote the team by writing articles about our results, transactions we make, and news from the American Association. Uh, and then as we get closer into the season here, I'm going to be working on assisting in data and video gathering so that we can attempt to leverage things like lineup construction and shifts and pitching changes, uh, hopefully more effectively than our competitors. Hey, Kyle, this, this is a question that kind of got lost with Major League Baseball for a little while, and that was the, kind of the topic of safety. Um, it was kind of like one of those things that people forgot about and then was like, oh, yeah, by the way, how is this going to happen? For you guys, what, what changes have been made in order to sort of provide uh, a safe environment this season? So first off, a ton of credit needs to be given to the American Association Commissioner Joshua Schaub and uh, Executive Director Josh Buckholz, among several others, for working tirelessly to devise a plan that allows the American Association to take the field in some capacity this year. Um, in conjunction with the league's owners and local municipalities, uh, we'll be playing a 60-game season with six teams playing out of three hub cities. Uh, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes and Fargo-Moorhead Red Hawks will be based out of Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, the St. Paul Saints and Sioux Falls Canaries will be based out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then the Milkmen and Chicago Dogs will be based out of um, Franklin Field at the Ballpark Commons Complex on the south side of Milwaukee County. Uh, each team is going to play 42 games at their hub ballpark, uh, reducing any excessive interstate travel to help keep the players and staff additionally safe. Um, beyond that, the hard work of Milkman owner Mike Zimmerman, uh, Chief Operating Officer Dan Kinsey, and the other members of the executive team in conjunction with local leaders from the city of Franklin deserve tons of credit for working together to prepare a readiness plan for the upcoming season to play. Um, some of the safety measures that will be put in place include an emphasis on cashless payments, um, cleaning and disinfecting taking place at the ballpark before each game, hand sanitizing stations installed throughout the park, uh, socially distant seating plan with capacity reduced to one third and only specific rows and sections available for sale, uh, temperature checks for all employees, required mask wearing for fan facing employees during the games, um, COVID-19 testing for players and staff and adherence to the social distancing guidelines during on-field promotions, among several other precautions that are outlined in the Rock Ventures COVID-19 readiness plan that can be found on MilwaukeeMilkman.com. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, just a ton of extra legwork to ensure safety and do everything possible to, to make the environment as safe as it can be. So it's just really interesting to hear so much of the detail in that plan compared to the pretty much nothing that we've heard from Major League Baseball to this point. Um, Kyle, for a lot of people that listen to our show, their experiences outside of going to a Brewers game are probably limited to the Snappers or T-Rats. Maybe they've been to a Northwoods League game, like a Mallards game. Um, how does the game day experience for the Milkmen compare to some of those experiences? So 
I like to say that independent leagues like the American Association sort of provide the best of all worlds. Uh, there aren't any multi-year rebuilds in independent baseball like there is in MLB. Uh, the goal for every team every year is to win as many games as possible. So we're doing everything that we can to put together a high quality and competitive product. But while we're doing that, we, you know, we realize that the fan experience is hugely important to getting people through the gate. Um, so we do tons of on-field entertainment stuff every game. Um, last year, that included a racing cows event similar to the Miller Park sausage race, um, a little bit, a little kid big uniform race um, that features kids putting on full-size uniforms and racing around the bases to try to make it to home plate first, um, as well as a toss the cookies event where um, on-field personnel. Uh, toss cookies, uh, prepackaged cookies into, into the stands for the kids during the game. Um, we also do bobblehead giveaways. We have a kids club, um, any of that kind of stuff to, to try and make it more family friendly and, and bring more families into the ballpark. Uh, my wife and I have four kids and, uh, they've really come to enjoy going to milkman games, probably a lot more than they do going to Miller park. Uh, from our perspective as parents, the parking is free. The tickets are a fraction of the price of going to see an MLB game. And there are several different ticket options that include some type of food or drink. Um, we're able to sit a lot closer, so it helps the kids feel a lot more connected to the action on the field rather than, say, sitting in Section 422 at Miller Park and trying to pass around a pair of binoculars or something like that. And with the different activities uh, that are geared towards the entertainment of the youngsters at pretty much every single half inning, um, it's it's a lot easier to keep attention and to get them excited about going to the games. So glad to hear about the family-friendly environment, Kyle. Is there anything else a new fan of the Milkman should know as they prepare to attend the game for the first time? Um, yeah, I mean, really, this has been an off-season like no other uh, kind of leading into a season that's going to be unlike any one we've ever had before in the American Association. Um, Anthony and I have worked hard throughout the winter assembling a roster that we believe will provide more firepower on offense, and we felt like we were in strong shape before the COVID-19 pandemic kind of threw everything into flux. Um, since then, we've had to kind of change a lot of stuff on the fly. Um, you know, in a general sense, when we're looking at acquiring a player, the first thing that I'll do is kind of research the player and put together a statistical profile on him. Um, Anthony and I have some specific traits that we look for when determining whether or not we think somebody will be able to succeed at our level, uh, including previous levels that they've played at, their performance at those levels, uh, on-base ability, bat-missing ability for pitchers, uh, positional flexibility, uh, et cetera, a lot of stuff like that. Um, once we've established a baseline, we'll do as much video scouting as possible to get a better feel for how each player has been successful against the competition that he's faced and whether or not that success will translate to the American Association. So for us, the marriage of statistical analysis with traditional scouting is, is pretty integral to our process. Um, without useful defensive metrics at our level, we need to rely on the defensive grades from Anthony and from the rest of our coaching staff as we evaluate players uh, we have to take into consideration how a player will fit into the locker room as well. So that's where um, the knowledge that Anthony has accrued over his two decades of college and pro coaching experience becomes invaluable. Uh, he's extremely knowledgeable about the players in our league and has built a network of connections who we can leverage to find out just about anything about any player that we might look into for the possibility of playing for us.
typically the teams in our league abide by a, a pretty specific set of roster rules. Um, in a normal year, the American Association is a 12-team league stretching from Canada to Texas that would play 100 games from May through September. Um, we typically have to have five rookies with less than two years of professional experience on our roster at all, as well as a maximum of five veterans, uh, which are players with six or more years of pro experience. And there's some other age-related rules in there that kind of affect what service class falls into. Um, but with a shortened 60-game season this year and limited league participation, those service rules have actually been suspended. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty right now about international travel and um, the ability to get our international players into the country. Uh, so we've been allowed our international players on sort of an inactive list. And then on top of that, the COVID-19 pandemic has also led to several players around the league, including a few from our roster, uh, to choose to sit out this season. So that's opened up a handful of spots in our roster before this past week's dispersal draft which was held last Tuesday in a participating American associations to select players from participating rounds so that all the best players in our league could have an opportunity to come summer. Um, we worked pretty hard in the run-up to the draft to build our board based on who was available and who we knew would be playing versus fitting the season out, what our roster needs were, as well as our salary cap situation. Uh, unlike Major League Baseball, the American Association has a hard salary cap with some pretty strict penalties for the teams that go over. Um, so we had the number one overall pick and selected Chase Simpson, who is a third baseman from the Cleburne Railroaders and a former farmhand of the Pirates. Uh, and we identified him pretty early on as our top target. After that, we did the best that we could to stay true to our board. Uh, and in our estimation, we were able to add three of the top four or five hitters that we thought were available, as well as our top starting pick and our bullpen depth. Um, and I think we were able to accomplish that simply by staying true to our board and taking advantage of the opportunities that fell to us. Um, I give a lot of credit to all the hard work and preparation that we put in and uh, staying disciplined as the picks played out. Um, since then, we've made uh, a couple other tweaks, um, namely the addition of an experienced catcher to our group behind the plate. But at this point, we're pretty well set with the players that we'll be taking into camp beginning on Thursday, the 25th. Um, after that, we'll be able to, or we'll be required to cut down to a 25-man active roster by opening day on July 3rd, which is actually expanded from what we typically carry. Uh, so we'll be able to carry 25 for the first 10 days of the season, but then once July 12th hits, we'll have to cut down to our typical 23-man roster. So now the challenge for us is to keep an updated list of priority players who we may have to turn to at some point through the course of the season. You know, without a minor league team or a reserve roster to draw from, um, we have to be prepared to address any needs that arise via either trade from another independent league or by finding a player on the open market. And with a shortened season and not a lot of other leagues currently playing right now, um, we're going to kind of have to strike a balance between giving guys enough leash to try and work through any performance issues while also maintaining the urgency to have a winning team on the field minor league releases to find players at every position who we think would fit what we're trying to do this year, um, just in the case of the injury or of injuries or, or poor performance. But I do believe we're pretty well prepared for just about any on-field scenario that could arise this summer. Yeah, it is such a strange, strange year. I mean, not having 
nearly as much competitive baseball happening completely changes the available players. If you do lose a few players to injuries, I mean, guys are throwing on their own. Maybe they're hitting in a cage, but in a lot of places, there's just not competition where there previously would have been. So I imagine finding players who are just ready to go is going to be the big challenge if something like that arises. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been in touch with with a lot of different guys and um, talking to players, just letting them know like, hey, you're sort of on our short list. Um, you're a guy that we're looking at, um, just trying to get a feel for, for how players are staying ready and um, what they're doing to prepare for any baseball that they may, that they may play this summer. Um, so, you know, one, one other thing that I wanted to mention is that if you're not familiar with, with independent baseball, there's a lot of times sort of this stigma that it's like something akin to like a men's adult league or, you know, just kind of some not very competitive baseball. But really, that's not the case, especially in the association and for the Milkmen at all. Um, right now, we have three former MLB players on our roster, uh, outfielder David Washington, and then pitchers A.J. Shugel and Denberg. Uh, we also have eight players who have appeared at the AAA level in the affiliated minor league and another two players who have previously made it to the AA level. Um, so the same is generally true for pretty much every team in our league. So in a general sense, the competition level is comparable to that of AA or AAA minor league baseball. Um, I would say talent-wise, we're pretty similar to the Korean baseball organization, and they're currently having their games broadcast on ESPN. So... When you attend a game at Franklin Field, you'll be treated to, or you'll be treated to an extremely high level of competitive baseball, featuring some names you might recognize. Now, I know you can get tickets at MilwaukeeMilkMen.com. You mentioned at the top, July third is the opener. Is there a favorite part of the ballpark you'd recommend uh, for someone to check out if they've never been out there? Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, trying to get out to the Line and Kugel's Hop Yard. Um, we have a ticket package that's available um, for $35 and includes uh, all you can eat and all you can drink uh, food and, and beer through that specific area of the park. Um, so that's generally one of our one of our most popular attractions at the park. And um, a lot of people come out and, and have a great time. Let's uh, let's talk about the Brewers for a little bit. I don't know where you find the time. You mentioned before you got four kids. You got an awesome video that was up on your Twitter account, a uh, recreation of the Sandlot. I thought it was a fantastic job. Uh, your wife put that together for you for Father's Day. Not sure where you find the time to do all the things you do, Kyle, but let's talk about the Brewers just for a second. Uh, something that Will and I have wondered about on this show is the Brewers' depth and the idea that they might have been better constructed for a six-month grind than they actually are for a 50 or possibly a 60-game sort of sprint. Uh, but as you think about the Brewers in a shortened season, if we're fortunate enough to even have one, what is your greatest area of concern? You know, over the course of a 162-game season, the cream is generalized to the top. Uh, there's room to let players work through, slump, work through slumps, um, audition for and seize roles, and, and things generally just kind of work themselves out. Um, when you build a team for depth, like the Brewers have done, uh, those are the scenarios that really count on. Um, but with a shortened MLB season, like the one that's being discussed, each individual game has a much greater importance placed on it. Um, the Brewers on offense have generally proven depth on, on that side of the ball, uh, if not players who are kind of searching for a lot of bounce back seasons. But at least there, the floor should be decent. Um, on the pitching side, however, specifically in the bullpen, uh, I think that things are a lot more up in the air. Uh, 
Uh, you have to be able to know what to expect from like Josh Hader and Alex Claudio and Brent Suter and David Phelps. Um, but beyond that, you know, how confident can fans really be in like the other half of the bullpen? They're going to need several pitchers among the group that includes Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Ray Black, Devin Williams, Bobby Wall, Eric Yardley, uh, and a host of other guys uh, are going to need to step up in a way that they didn't really in 2019, and they're going to need to do that quickly. Um, the Brewers aren't going to likely be able to spend a month of what figures to me maybe a two-month season kind of churning through these bullpen guys trying to find a group that works while also remaining competitive. Uh, so I'd have to say that the bullpen group probably represents the biggest mystery right now. Derek and I have also chatted a lot about just the lineup and with Christian Yelich, Keston Hira, you you know what you're going to get pretty much, right? Um, what do you make of the rest of the group, though? Is, the, is there enough in a shortened season to make you think that um, there would be enough support for both of those guys or that they have enough offensive firepower? Um, you know, I think that's kind of where Craig Council is going to come in a lot with how he's able to leverage his platoons and right-left matchups, all that kind of stuff. Because, um, I mean, when you when you look in a general sense at the roster, there are plenty of guys who have already been good at the big league level in, in some capacity, whether it's, you know, last year, over the last several years, or not in the too distant past. Um, so I think with the amount of players proven players generally that they have on the offensive side of the ball, um, things should be able to work themselves out. And it's a lot easier to score runs when you have guys like Christian Yelich and Kesson Hira, who you know um, can kind of change things with with one swing of the bat versus having to cover nine innings and, and having a group of pitchers in the bullpen that, you know, maybe you can really only count on half of them or half of them have you know, some sort of track record of success at the MLB level. So I'm not, I'm not so much worried about things on the offensive side as, as I guess I would be for the pitching staff. Yeah, I, I do think the, the pitching staff has a few bigger question marks on it. You mentioned Burns. I think between Burns and Freddie Peralta, I, something in my head is just like one of them has to be really good this year for things to go well. It's probably not a fair place to put it, but... I just think they need someone to significantly exceed expectations, uh, especially in the rotation. I think with the bullpen, if they can figure it out quickly enough, they have enough interesting arms to make it work. But uh, I think it's the back end of the rotation in particular that gives me pause. And it's weird because the Sims don't seem to like the Brewers at all. Like I, I don't think I've seen a good 2020 Brewers Sim yet. I've seen Hayter get hammered in multiple Sims. I've seen Keston Hira not hit in multiple Sims. Uh, I've seen Wills Brewers in the athletic season-long sim uh, <laughs> underperform as well. It, it's bizarre. Like I, just, I don't, I don't know if that's just part of the way the team is built, where the projections don't really like what they're doing, and so much of it is is player development, but also just how Council manages the roster that enables them to really squeeze out as much value as they possibly can from this group. Yeah, I've got to say, I think that Wills Brewers in the athletic sim uh, are probably the worst that I've seen in any of the simulations score the team. Uh, I actually was kind of doing a little poking around and um, most of the Sims that I've seen have the Brewers in a, in a pretty decent spot to this point in the season. Most of them haven't simulated all the way through like the athletics did. Um, but in the baseball prospectus uh, simulation, they're currently in second place at 40 and 36. 
the baseball reference sim also has them in second place at 41 and 36. Um, Fangraphs is, they kind of took over management of the Brewers for their simulation presentation and uh, their group of writers, as well as the fan input that they've gotten has the team right now in first place at 41 and 34. Um, our in-house simulation for Brew Crew Ball hasn't gone quite as well, uh, but the team is at least kind of treading water at, at 35 and 38 and in third place. So, you know, I guess you can't really say that all is bad. Yeah, it's good. Good to hear. There's some good results uh, outside of outside of these walls. <laughs> I think it just kind of goes to show that there's that the, you can't really like look at the team and say that they're obviously good, but with the way that they've built through depth and how they've given themselves multiple options at pretty much every position and multiple options to cover a lot of those innings in the bullpen. I just think it goes to show that there's a really wide range of both positive and negative outcomes that, that could come from this season. So, you know, especially in what may be a, a 60 game season or less, um, it, it's going to be really important for, uh, especially in the bullpen, the team figure out those roles and not spend, you know, like, like the first month of the season last year, the Brewers collectively had an ERA, I think over five. So no, I don't. I don't think that they're going to be able to struggle that much for that extended period of time in a season like 2020 and be able to remain competitive. Yeah, I'm. I'm right there with you. Quick decisions will have to be made. It's going to be fun to watch if we get a chance to actually see it. Kyle, thanks again for the time today. We really appreciate you shedding some light, letting us know more about uh, the milkman and, and talking brewers with us. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you guys um, inviting me on, giving me a platform to uh, enlighten some people about some actual professional baseball that's going to be played in front of fans in Milwaukee this summer. So uh, I hope that this will help get some people excited and get some people out to the ballpark. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com athletic. That's drinkhydrant.com athletic for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com athletic. All right, Will, so I'm, I'm excited about the Milkmen, too. I mean, they're going to be back on the field before the Brewers are on the field, really as spring training 2.0, summer camp, whatever we're going to end up calling that. As that's happening, that's when we're going to be uh, getting the start of the American Association season. And I think one thing that I've really missed this season are the, the sights and the sounds and the smells of the ballpark. You know, just going to a game as the sun's going down. I mean, at Miller Park, when... The roof's open and the panels are open this time of year. It's just one of the best places anywhere to watch baseball. You know, I've missed that. I've missed the smell of brats wafting over the parking lot and throughout the stadium. 
Uh, and I've missed the sounds of the game too. The crack of the bat, the unmistakable crack of the bat you hear when uh, you hear just clean contact at the ballpark. Those senses, of those things, those have all been missing for so long. And I'm just looking forward to uh, to seeing and smelling and hearing those things again. Can't can't replicate it, man. Like you could do the simulations, you could stare at your baseball cards. <laughs> I mean, you could you could do all these different things. I mean, you could you could play MLB the show, um, but you can't you can't duplicate that. And just even like the idea of every day getting back to every day. And a part of me, as I say that, is you know I, I harbor some. I don't know, some pessimism about it just because of the virus and that being a huge obstacle still. But ideally and theoretically, it's it's going to be every day again. And and that's really cool. It's cool for people who stay up to date on, on fantasy and um, who stay connected to their team on that day-to-day basis and they go through the highs and lows. There'll be a, much, there'll be a whole lot more of that in a stretch of 60 games where everything matters. But it would just be fun, man, to go back to the ballpark and um, even, I mean, the Milkman too. I mean, just to, I'm probably going to go to one of those games just because it, it does give you that environment that you cannot replicate any, anywhere else other than at a baseball stadium. Yeah, and one of the things that, that Kyle was talking about is that fan experience. Like, if you have never been to a baseball game that isn't a major league game, it's completely different. It doesn't matter if you're talking mallards or timber rattlers or snappers or if you're talking milkmen. The entire vibe of that game is different. Those games tend to be a lot more family-friendly, both in terms of price, but also just in terms of the amount of on-field entertainment that takes place between innings as well. So I'm definitely looking forward to uh, checking out a game over at Franklin Field's Uh, as the time comes here in the next few weeks. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Section 422. You can find Will on Twitter at Will Salmon. I'm at Derek Van Riper. And again, if you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get that at theathletic.com slash 422. Get 40% off. Get all of the Brewers coverage that Will provides and get everything else on the site as well. So if you're a Packer fan, a Bucks fan, no matter what teams you root for, we have you covered at the athletic. And if you got questions you want us to get to in a future episode, especially now that, you know, baseball looks like it's coming back, definitely hit us up on Twitter. We're happy to answer those on future episodes of the show. If you're enjoying this podcast and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any platform that allows you to rate and review it, please take a moment to do that. We greatly appreciate it. For Will Salmon, I'm Derek Van Riper. Thanks for listening. We're back with you next week from Section 422.